Thank you for joining us today on Body Ecology Living with me, Donna Gates. My guest today is somebody pretty amazing. Actually, he's one of those people that when he walks into the room, he lights it up. And I think you're going to sense that yourself. I don't want to embarrass him too much, but he's one of the kindest, (laughs) most thoughtful, and actually very brilliant people. He's an expert on the gut, so we always have a lot to talk about whenever we're together. So, um, Tom Maltair, welcome. Oh, Donna, it is such an honor. I can't tell you. My wife and I have been fans of your forever, forever. In fact, I have to <laughs> oh, say, it you know, sound old. It's, it's so true. You know, she, she went through college in misery and the one thing that got her out of it was the body ecology diet. And ever since then, she's taught me everything she has known. And then of course I followed you uh, over the years. And so when I see you now at conferences, I just, I have to give you as much gratitude as I possibly can. Thank you so much oh, for all you do. Thank you. That's really nice. I know Dave, uh, Dave Asprey's wife too. Uh, she's a medical doctor in Sweden. And when she went through medical school, she found um, body ecology way over there and started on the diet and s- swears it saved her life too. So that's really nice. It does make me feel old. I mean, I've been doing oh, this for on, such yeah. a long time. Yeah. Now you, you, you know, cool young bit. hip people coming up behind me are... <laughs> And where were you 20 years ago? It was a lonely road back in those oh, days. I bet. And we we have to give a gratitude to you again for paving that way for us because now people are listening to what we have to say because you've already been whispering in their ears for quite some time. Well, yes. Thank you for saying that. I mean, I'm so glad that the gut is in today. Right. The gut, and now the next big hot thing are going to be, it will be nutritional genomics. And so I like to be on the cutting edge, but I... um. I love how well you understand the gut. And I want people to just know that Tom holds a bachelor's and master's degree in nutrition from Bastyr, an amazing naturopathic college. He also has advanced training from the Institute for Functional Medicine, and he has over a decade of clinical experience. You can't beat that clinical experience. (laughs) So he wrote this book that we're going to be talking about off and on today called The Elimination Diet. He wrote it with his wife, Alyssa. It's called, uh, the subtitle is Discover the Foods that are Making You Sick and Tired and Feel Better Fast. And that's really the truth. When you cut out the foods that are making you sick, you do the body responds amazingly well. So I'm really grateful you came uh, here to talk to us, Tom, because I know you're super busy and you've got an amazing family. Tell everybody how many kids you have. <laughs> well, I have five beautiful children. And in fact... I have one whose birthday it is today. Little Grace turns 10 years old today. So we're really excited about that. Oh, nice name too. And Tom's on the board of the Autism Research Institute. So he knows very, very well how important it is right now to start taking much better care of our children and bringing healthier babies in the world. So when I see a family... Uh, with Tom as a father and uh, his wife, who's an amazing cook, as the um, mom. And then I know those children are the happiest little kids. Uh, they're, they're being parented well, but they also have had all their genes expressed properly. And I'm sure they have healthy guts. Uh, they they are <laughs> actually very energetic, uh, very happy kids. So, yes. Yeah, well, we need examples of that. There's not nearly, there's not definitely not enough of them on the planet. Well, um, I want to talk to you about the book because I just want to tell everybody the, you know, the elimination diet. I honestly was in the world of health and nutrition forever when I started going to my uh, first A4M modules and 
Uh, A4M is like IFM, American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, and IFM is Institute of Functional Medicine. And these are organizations that are training doctors to become functional medicine doctors, which is the only kind of doctor you ever want to go to because they really are excellent doctors. And, And so here I am in these modules, and all my teachers were saying, the very first thing they do, or they're telling all the doctors in the room, the very first thing you do is you put your patients on an elimination diet. And so I thought, elimination diet? I mean, obviously, it sounds like you're eliminating certain foods, but I wanted specifics, and they didn't ever explain it. They just they assumed everybody in the room knew what an elimination diet was. And so now we've got people listening to our interview here, to Tom, and I'm positive that lots of people have no idea what that means, an elimination diet. So would you define that for us? I would be happy to. And, you know, that's the same thing for me, right? All my original training at Bastyr University and the IFM has been the same thing. The, the, all the experienced, brilliant minds that I come in contact with as professors, as teachers, they all say the same thing. Use the elimination mm-hmm. diet. Use the elimination diet. Jeff Bland mm-hmm. and Joe Pizzorno and Alan Gaby. So mm-hmm. um, the elimination diet is a diet designed to eliminate your symptoms, It's completely and totally designed to find out which foods are behind irritating your intestinal tract and therefore the entire rest of your body and which foods are completely lighting you up on a cellular level, making you feel fabulous. Because every time you take a bite, your body makes a decision. It says, this is friend, this is good. I'm going to break this down. I'm going to absorb the nutrients from this and I'm going to make you into a powerhouse. Or it says, oh, wait a second, this looks awful lot like a bacterium or a virus, or I'm confused about this, I'm, I can't metabolize it very well, I'm going to have a, a bad response to it. I'm going to actually start an inflammatory cascade in the worst part of your body. I'm going to initiate it in the gut, and once I initiate it in the gut, those chemicals will circulate around, and they'll end up in your synovial tissue of your joints and give you rheumatoid arthritis, or they'll end up in your brain and excite your neurons there and give you a migraine, or it could end up on your skin and give you psoriatic uh, presentation. So you have psoriasis or perhaps eczema or something. So the reality is we're just trying to find the foods that make you feel fabulous. That's it. So what we do is we eliminate the prime suspect foods. So yes, 10 years of clinical experience. Yes. Reading thousands of articles. There are patterns. There are very clear patterns of which foods can be removed to make people feel great. So we include gluten, dairy, eggs, yeast, corn, soy, nightshades. And now, interestingly enough, Don, I'm seeing more people with tree nut sensitivities as the immune system starts reacting to things. So we take out certain things and we leave them out for a couple of weeks. And then we start strategically adding back in the less responsive foods one by one, things like citrus, things like certain nuts. And then we see how a person feels where it's called the challenging phase, right? Or reintroduction phase. So uh, we add those things back in, right, one by one, and we wait to see if we have a reaction. And if somebody has a negative reaction to that, we say, aha, there it is. There's our culprit. There's the suspect. So we mark that down. We know it because we've been journaling the whole time. You know what's going on. And we say, I had this reaction to this particular food. And, you know, Donna, it's, it's one thing to get a test. It's one thing. You go out and you get a lab test, IgG panel, IgE panel. You go out and get an ALCAT or a LEAP panel, whatever it is. And to rely on a piece of paper to tell you that you're responsive or non-responsive, it works for some people. But to actually experience it and document what's going on in your very own laboratory called your body is amazing. Because then people all of a sudden know. They're like, 
oh my gosh, I had post-nasal drip every time I was eating dairy and I just thought it was genetic or natural or it was the cold air. Or, you know, I get really fatigued after I eat meals and I'm having soy or corn or whatnot. And I had no idea it was a soy or corn. I thought it was just like, maybe I was coming down with an illness or maybe that was the common response. Eat food, get tired, right? People don't mm-hmm. understand. People don't understand that life is about you being sharp as a tack. Life is about you feeling your muscles and feeling strong and feeling like you're contributing to society. It's about being youthful. It's about being happy. Waking up in the morning and saying, you know what? I'm excited. Here's another day. This is awesome. Going to bed at night and saying, ah, you know, that was such a wonderful day. Now I'm ready for sleep. They don't need Mm -hmm. to have racing thoughts and crazy anxiety and waking up four to five times a night. That is not normal. Having four to six bowel movements a day that are painful, that is not normal. Having one to two bowel movements a week, that is not normal. So the elimination diet has you examine what you would feel like without all the irritating foods. And I'll tell you, within the first 12, 14 days, most people say, I have a new lease on life. I feel like I'm 20 years younger. I had no idea being human meant this. So that, that is what the elimination diet is. So Tom... A lot of these foods you're talking about cutting out, which we haven't identified what they are yet, but I already know. (laughs) And I know that these are foods that people have a strong emotional attachment to eating. And also, it's how we grew up eating. Like we, a lot of people don't know any other way to eat and we're busy. And, you know, you might stop and think to yourself, well, how am I going to find the time to develop this new style of eating. So what would you say to people that have these thoughts on their mind right now? I would say absolutely. This is completely and totally natural. And it's, it's great. Think that for as long as you want. And uh, you, you're welcome to change that idea, that thinking process as well. So if you think I have to eat these foods, these are my comfort foods. I want you to try and, and think, is it comfortable for you to have arthritis? Is it comfortable for you to have foggy thinking and chronic fatigue? Is it comfortable for you to have irritable bowel? You know, that's what I want you to ask. Because comfort foods psychologically in your memory and your neuronal pathways, like you've had all these smells and tastes and sights associated with Christmas, for example. It's snickerdoodles were what my mom used to make. Oh my gosh, I love snickerdoodle cookies with wheat flour, right? That was fantastic. And Easter, uh, my grandma was uh, Portuguese. So she made uh, this Portuguese sweet bread. And my brother and I would get down in this tub and we'd knead the bread, you know, and it was just so much fun. And, you know, you you sink that in and you think food equals fun, food equals love, food equals companionship. So it's, it's great. Those are very, very healthy neuronal pathways. But I want you to start challenging your brain to absorb more information, to be more aware of what are some of the other signals that are coming in. Is it possible when you're eating that bread or the cookie, as in my case, uh, having celiac disease, that you may be degrading your own tissues, that you may be tearing down your intestinal wall, leaving you with nutrient deficiencies, causing you to have a a non-functioning brain where, you know, all I wanted to do, Donna, after I'd eat gluten is I'd want to lay on the couch. I just seriously would like to curl up on the couch and like watch Mary Poppins 22 times. You know what I mean? I mean, it's that 
kind of feeling. Mm, I do of, because I was, I would say I had no energy yeah. and I was depressed because I grew up in the wrong foods too, but never, I actually, I did know somehow it was tied to what I was eating, but yeah. that was such a long time ago. I mean, I was like a teenager and there was no help literally not like there is today, not like, you know, picking up a book like this one right. and reading the book and knowing exactly what to do and exactly how to get well fast. Yes, I know. And the whole reason I did the elimination diet is because of what it changed for me. I started out feeling this pain, feeling this fatigue, feeling these gut issues, right? And then all of a sudden, once you can get that clarity, once you can feel like a boundless energy coming up from deep within your, your insides and you can have this mental sharpness and you can be pain-free, you want to share it with everybody. So I got my friends and my family, even in clinic at Bastard University, I started telling people, hey, you've, you've got skin problems. Let's look at the, the eggs. Oh my gosh, you've got the sinus congestion. Let's look at the dairy. I started putting people on elimination diets all around me. And I just got case study after case study. All of a sudden, people's back pain disappeared. All of a sudden, people's skin cleared up. All of a sudden, people had this terrible depression or anxiety, and it was gone, you know? So I was like, oh my gosh, we're on to something here. How come everybody on the planet isn't doing this? So I go through my training with functional medicine, and Mark Hyman, what does he do on my first day in the AFMCP training? He says, you know, I put every one of my clients on an elimination diet first through my nutritionists, and 80% of them give so much better that I just do some fine-tuning from there, right? And I was like, oh, I'm home. Right. There's other mm -hmm. practitioners right. who are finding the same thing I'm finding. And really, as you had found with the A4M, I mean, if you talk to the old school, very, uh, I would say, patient centric practitioners, they listen and they hear that when people change their diets, they change their dis-ease. Mm -hmm. And, you know, their ultimate goal, though, is to get to the root cause. That is the key sort of slogan for functional medicine doctors get to the root cause, where well, the root cause is the way we're eating. Well, come on. We're going to bring in 25 tons of foreign matter from the outside world called food through our bodies, right? We're going to pass it through our inner tube of life. We're going to chew, swallow, end up in our stomach, intestinal tract. And we have to make sure that those foods that we're bringing in, our immune cells recognize as being safe. And you know from our previous conversations, Donna, I mean, you and I are both convinced We've got a major problem on our hands these days. It's called pollution, and it's called lack of microbiome diversity. So all the massive chemicals we're exposed to, all of the missing microbes that we no longer have that protect us, that's leaving the perfect soup, the perfect soup for people to come in contact with foods through their mouth and their immune cells. Now, look at that food. Instead of saying, oh, that's great. That's corn. I love that. They're looking at the foods and saying, wait a second. You know, I never really got trained properly by microbes not to react to things. I don't really have the nutrients in my life like vitamin D, vitamin A to dampen down my response to these things. I'm going to attack this. I'm going to attack this. Partner that with not many people are chewing. A lot of people are stressed out. A lot of people have insufficient stomach acid. Oh my gosh, it's the perfect storm right now in the year 2015 for people to react to their food. So all we're doing is taking out the most potent reactive substance in their lives. And once that irritation from their intestinal tract calms down, then they can heal. Then they can heal that gut. Then they can absorb more nutrients. Then all of a sudden, the autoimmune diseases calm down. All of the behavioral disorders go away. It's beautiful. It is so amazing. It's, it never ceases to amaze me. 
Well, you know, your book is, is has so much clarity. That is one of the things I noticed as I was reading it is what a beautiful job you did explaining everything so clearly, so, so easy to to understand, which is important. You know, I think people today, a lot of people aren't reading anymore uh, because their head is kind of swimming and they're not healthy. But this book is really easy to read. And um, the second chapter, you dove right into the gut, which I was glad to see your whole explanation of the digestive tract, you know, each each part of the digestive tract and what what it has to have to work properly, but very, very simply. It isn't like boring and like a science lesson. Um, you know, one thing I know people don't know anything about is that the gut has hormones. And you talk about one of those hormones. Um, let's talk about the small intestine just a little bit. And then we'll, then I'd like to come back and start talking about some of the foods to eliminate. But I, I think everybody knows the top three are going to be wheat, dairy, and sugar. Uh, 20-something years ago, I started, when I put body ecology together, it was a wheat-free, uh, gluten-free, well, gluten-free, sugar-free uh, dairy-free diet because I was working with people with candidiasis and it was rich in fermented food. So fixing the gut, but um, the gut is important and you, and, and let's talk about the small intestines. So much important uh, action takes place there. Um, and the horm- there's important hormones there. So can we talk about that? Absolutely. So if you're looking at the small intestinal tract, you say to yourself, wow, this is 18 feet of the most highly concentrated area of immune cells as well as they are protecting us from whatever we're bringing in. Are we bringing in salmonella, listeria? Are we bringing in parasites, uh, you know, blastocystis hominis, some sort of amoeba? What is it? Because whatever we're bringing in has to be separated from our body and has to go through certain mechanisms before it even passes go, right? So we're going to be secreting mucus. We're going to be secreting IgA, things that protect us from those harmful substances. But at the same time, the very same time, those intestinal cells secrete things as well. They secrete digestive enzymes, things like disaccharidase enzymes. You've heard of, of uh, lactose. Well, lactase is secreted by the upper intestinal tract, but you're mentioning a hormone. The interesting thing is we have cells called eye cells in the upper intestinal tract that sense our food. They look for amino acid structures. They look for fatty acid and they say, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm gonna need some help digesting, breaking from large to small, these food components. So I'm going to signal, I'm going to signal via a hormone that will talk to my pancreas, that will talk to my gallbladder and give me some help so I can actually secrete substances called bile that will break apart my fats. And I can secrete substances called pancreatic enzymes that will break apart proteins, carbs, and fats. So the interesting piece is if you damage the upper intestinal tract, You have parasitic infections, bacterial overgrowth, toxic exposure, food sensitivity responses, the most common food sensitivity responses. Then you disrupt the signaling. Research is very clear in showing that those who wear down their upper intestinal tract don't secrete enough of this hormone called cholecystokinin or chole bile cystosakinin mover, the bile sac moving hormone. And if they don't secrete enough of that bile sac moving hormone, what happens? You don't have enough detergent in your food to break apart fats. You don't have enough, you know, pancreatic enzymes. There's stuff you're missing, so your food is undigested. If your food is undigested, what happens? Bacterium feed off of it. 
If bacteria feed off of it, what happens? You get overgrowth. What happens when you get overgrowth? You get irritation to the intestinal wall. Then you have this feed-forward cycle. You break down the intestinal wall. You don't secrete enough digestive enzymes. And then blah, 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 blah. It's downward. It's a downward vicious uh, spiral, right? So you kind of got to break that. You say, let's get rid of some of those foods. Let's make sure that we're balancing out the, the upper intestinal tract microbes, which yours truly, all right, you've been talking about that, right? For decades. <laughs> yes, I have. Yes. And I just, I, you know, I can't mention that enough. And one of the things we do recommend, and, and I mentioned a case study of a gentleman, right, who came in and, uh, you know, he just says, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, all I did was change sauerkraut in my diet. I've been on antibiotics for a hernia surgery that got infected. Went on antibiotics, my gut was just incredibly racked for months and months and months. All I did, all I did was add in sauerkraut every day, sauerkraut, multiple times a day, and boom, no antibiotics could touch it. None of the treatments I was doing is anti-inflammatories, immune suppressant stuff, nothing touched it. Sauerkraut was the thing to rebalance my gut. You know, get rid of some of the irritants, (laughs) add in some of the beneficial substances, and away people run. They just feel so much better. So absolutely, we secrete hormones. And that's just one of many. Of course, you know, we have gastrin and then we get going on with the neurotransmitters in the gut with the serotonin and the the melatonin later on will uh, get converted. So, you know, there's so many different things happening all the time. Well, you know, I just want to clarify too that um, I stopped using that term sauerkraut 20 years ago because I was saying sauerkraut and people would go in the store and buy a jar of something that was pasteurized and had citric acid and vinegar. And I'm saying, no, 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 you need the real stuff with live bacteria in it. So I coined the term cultured vegetables or started saying fermented vegetables. Uh, People are now using sauerkraut again, but I think there's an understanding of the fact that it's live. I just wanted to clarify that. So people don't go buy the wrong stuff. Yes, you can't emphasize that enough because not only is it not going to give you the health benefits that you're desiring, but the experience of making your own sauerkraut and the flavor coming from fresh sauerkraut is like incomparable, incomparable. So thank you for correcting that. Uh, well, no, it's not a correction. It's just clarifying for people. Be sure you don't go in by the dead stuff. Get yeah. it live. Now, I actually have a paper, and it was right here on my desk, so I picked it up as you were talking. Uh, it's from a German research center. It was Actually, this research was done back in 2011, so it's not brand new, but it says cortisol controls recycling of bile acids. So what these scientists found out is that cortisol is responsible for the recycling of bile acids from the blood. And if the recycling is disrupted, the animals develop gallstones and they can't digest their dietary fats. Now, you did a fantastic job, I think, making people aware of fat digestion. And I think a lot of people are really having a problem with that. And the reason I wanted to bring it up is because right now, you know, things have happened to be kind of trendy right at the moment. Fat is really in. So people are putting a lot of fat in their coffee and their cream, butter, uh, ghee, you know, just a lot of fat, bacon, lard. Um, And I I think it's back, uh, what would you call it? Call it, like, I was not sure the right word, but it's not working for them. It's, there's a backlash going on here. And of course, they feel like they feel bad if they're not doing this hip thing. So let's talk about this a little bit. I think it's a really an important topic. Yeah, the backlash, if you will, a lot of people don't tolerate the fat. And a lot of people don't understand that that, that cycle I just talked about with the CCK needing the bile and needing the lipase. There are two primary 
processes of breaking down fats that rely on upper intestinal tract communication. Break down that communication, you don't break down your fats. If you don't break down your fats, they can attach to minerals and they literally, biochemically, literally form soaps. So it's a possibility you can end up with urgent bowel movements that are lighter in color and they float. And this may be termed steatorrhea by some, and it may be just really uncomfortable for others. And the reality is, yeah, you know, it's awesome if you can absorb those fats and you can use them for hormones. You can actually uh, increase your, your brain stability over time, protect yourself from Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. That's awesome. But you got to get them in first. Eating something, digesting something, then absorbing something. Those are three different processes. So yes, the gut has to maintain integrity before you can break it down. If you indeed come back and you say, oh my gosh, if I eat fats, you know, I've been avoiding fats forever because I can't tolerate them. I get nauseous, I get bloated, I get all sorts of issues when I have fats, cramping and then runny diarrhea or floating stools. You know, the thing is go back upstream, heal your upper intestinal tracts and the fat digestion often comes back. That's one thing. The other thing is you can always support with digestive enzymes You can always look at something high in lipase. And then as you were stating, calming your stress down changes your entire digestive process. But I have a study that I teach in one of my physician courses. You know, I teach uh, functional medicine to practitioners online. And that particular study showed on average, if you had four or more bowel movements a day, by giving a digestive pancreatic enzyme supplement, you could get those down to one. So it's really important to break your food down. If you don't, uh, it'll, it'll find its own way of doing that in some way or form and probably flush some of your nutrients out in the process. So it, incredibly important. And you're right, more and more people are eating lots of fat. So look at that. See if that's coming out in your stool. Fat floats, look to see if your stools are floating. And there's a condition called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Uh, that that scientists, you know, doctors are seeing a whole lot more of today. And they're not even drinking alcohol, but people are, uh, from the sugar and the fats that we're eating, their liver, they're ruining their liver, basically. But, you know, um, another thing, so, so let's go through those key, let's not talk about gluten, dairy, and sugar, because people know already that we're going to say, don't eat those things. What about some of the other things that you would recommend someone give up on an elimination diet? Yeah, you know, the other thing that that spikes on a lot of people's IgG panels, and I don't rely on the testing, mind you, but just as an indication that your immune system might be responding negatively to it is is egg, unfortunately, because it's such a nutritious food and so easy to digest for most people. But if you do have eczema skin problems, sometimes GI issues from the egg, you keep your eyes peeled for reactions on that. But what's coming up a lot nowadays, uh, Donna, is the... Soy in the corn. So unfortunately, you know, come on, if you prepare corn well and it's organic and sprouted and whatever, there may be less of an issue. But during an elimination diet, I recommend taking those two out because surprisingly, surprisingly, I'm seeing a lot of fatigue. I'm seeing a lot of rashes. I'm seeing a lot of people just don't feel 100% on their game. So some people tolerate it great. Some people don't, but they should really consider that as a, a potential factor. And I don't know, is it because... These are now saturated with herbicides. I mean, the studies coming out are showing us that genetically modified corn and soy usually have much higher levels of the Roundup-based uh, herbicides with the active ingredient glyphosate. We now know that can cause problems in people. So 
Absolutely. I don't, I don't know what the cause is, but I do know there's an association between the corn and soy. And what I do know too, is that when you get IgG, IgE panels, they don't show up. Oftentimes they don't show up. I've had so many clients come in and they'll say, look at this rash on my face. I was just eating corn because my lab said it was okay, but I, I don't think it's okay. Every time I eat, I get this rash on my face or another gentleman, you know, I get this terrible fatigue and, and I get these flare ups of all sorts of joint pain issues, you know, okay. But my lab says I should be fine. And I say, well, maybe it's not the proteins that the lab is testing for. Maybe it's something else. Whatever the case may be though, I, I think we should keep the, uh, the soy and the corn on the radar. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think also another thing that's going on with these foods is people aren't preparing them properly. Oh, absolutely. For example, if you buy a bag of corn chips, they didn't properly soak and, you know, make that corn digestible. They just made corn chips out of it. Uh, so I think, I mean, I know for a fact that with the way you prepare your foods is another factor Allegra. to consider. That's, that's right. That's where we had um, all sorts of issues, right? We, where you had uh, niacin insufficiency because they weren't putting the lime with the corn um, way back in the day, right? So Allegra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and the active, you know, it's a dementia, dermatitis, death, all sorts of different things were, were attributed to this. And it was basically due to poor preparation. The Native Americans always knew that you could do an ash preparation from your, your fireplace on your corn, and it, it changed the chemical availability and it turns out by doing that, you're able to get more of the nutrients, including niacin, which is vitamin B3. So absolutely, the food preparation will change your experience with what you're getting from the food and how well you digest it. And, you know, another thing I want to add about eggs, because you're right. I mean, the nutritional profile of the egg and the yolk, oh, my gosh, you know, it's so if you can digest eggs, they're great for the brain, for the ovaries, for the... Um, sexual organ system, uh, thyroid. I mean, it's just a wonderful food. And I could never digest eggs. And then when I started making them with um, eating them with cultured vegetables, I could digest them better. And then I started poaching them real softly so they were runny, and that made it easier to digest. But I was speaking in a conference about a summer ago up in Santa Barbara, a, a conference on fermentation. And this woman came up to me and she was part of a group of doctors in Santa Barbara and they had done research on a group of their patients and they found that 100% of the people couldn't eat the eggs if they were commercial eggs. And 40% of the people uh, still couldn't eat the eggs if they were organic, but every single person digested them if they were fertile eggs. Well, after that, I only buy fertile eggs. Fortunately, we're lucky here in California because like our Whole Foods has fertile eggs. Um, And then of course, a lot of the farmer's markets have them because, but you have to ask the farmer, you know, do you have roosters with your eggs? Just because they're nice eggs doesn't mean that the rooster's gotten in there and done his thing. So, um, you know, I, I talked to them and I said, well, how many roosters do you put with your chickens? And like one of the people that I get the eggs from, he they take the babies, the girls and the boys and raise them together so they don't fight with each other. Because uh, sometimes, you know, roosters fight, so they only don't have many roosters in the in the you know, batch there, but uh, the, these don't fight, he said. And so he has a really large number of roosters for his chickens. And so he knows his eggs are fertilized and it really does make a difference. So now I, I think the part, you know, softly, uh, I, I also get rid of all the white because um, most of the white, as much as you, I mean, I, you know, I get as much off as I can. I put the um, eggs in a little poach pod, uh, several, about four yolks because they're small because the, um, 
the um, eggs from an organic chicken are usually really small eggs. And then um, from a healthy chicken that's free range and all. And then I'll put a sprinkle of aromari and poach that, but just till they're still soft and runny. And I have no problems. I eat them with cultured vegetables and they're fertile. And so after I, you know, figured that all, all that out, I started telling lots of people that react to eggs. They feel bad. They can't digest them. They have hives. Uh, and, and so far, everybody's been good. So I just wanted to share that. But, you know, again, I think... Um, uh, in the elimination diet period in this stage where you don't know what you're reacting to and you want to eliminate all the common reactions, it's good to get rid of the eggs. And then somehow if we can change this world into a better world, get more farmers that are making the right kind of eggs. <laughs> That's wonderful. And you know, it's so true, right? I mean, form equals function. And when you have a particular shape of a protein, when you have a particular presentation to your immune cells, it can make all the difference in the world. And to be honest with you, I think that's exactly what's going on, Donna. I think this is why so many people, so many people are starting to react to foods is, you know, we're adulterating the communication between our immune cells and the outside world. We're changing how the immune cells behave, number one. But look at this, Datis Karazian just came out with, uh, you know, Artie Voidani's group with a, a fascinating paper looking at how chemicals in our environment can bind to proteins and change how the proteins are presented to our immune cells. So you're saying fertilization of the egg will change the likely protein structure and whatnot in the egg, and that could change how the immune system responds to it. Absolutely. They're ordinary, real old-fashioned eggs. These chickens are free-range. They eat healthy food. They are not eating soy, by the way. (laughs) They get bugs. Right. That's what I look for too. I want my eggs. I want my chickens to lay eggs that eat bugs. Yeah. So it, you know, and now we have another piece of awareness. We we now know that a lot of the pollutants that we're coming in contact with, the chemicals in our environment, we have eighty-seven thousand plus industrial chemicals that are being used. There are seventy-four billion pounds, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics, seventy-four billion pounds of chemicals that are imported or produced in the United States every single day. Every single day. So you say, wow, is it possible some of those chemicals might be changing how our cells function? And my uh, answer would be a resounding absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely they are. And now we have so many people reacting to food. So when you can get back to original forms of pure organic foods and whatnot, will that change how many people respond to them? And, And I would imagine it would. Well, you know, I'm sure another, you know, idea that's popping into people's mind right now is, well, these other foods are more expensive and they're harder to obtain. You know, ultimately, we have to change the world we're living in today. And for those of us that can afford them, like, I make sure I can afford them. I won't spend money somewhere else so I can put money into my health. But, um, you know, unfortunately, I live in a state where, as you do, Tom, uh, and you're in Washington, and um, you can get healthy foods. You've got conscious, you know, people that are very conscientious about the foods, and farmers make these foods available to us. But what would you say to the people out there who are listening right now that say, well, I can't get that food, and I want to eat this way, but it's not available to me? Do you have any? Yes, solutions, yeah. absolutely, and suggestions. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So one of, the, one of the particular things that people can do is um, start simple. So... Really, raw, fresh, organic greens are amazing. And if you don't have a garden or you don't live in an area where you can, you can grow sprouts. So taking in some broccoli seeds, putting some water over the top of them and making your own broccoli sprouts, 
one one simple natural intervention doesn't seem too labor intensive. Here, here's what you do. A couple tablespoons of broccoli seeds in a mason jar. Pour over some water. Let it sit for 10 hours. Drain it off in the morning, right? Then put it in a cold, dry place and rinse it a couple of times a day. And then bring it out when it's, you know, uh, about three quarters of an inch, inch tall. Put it over on your windowsill. Let it green up. Eat away, right? I have instructions on our website. You can go to wholelifenutrition.net and look up broccoli sprouts. And uh, you'll see me doing a video on how to make broccoli sprouts. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, the reason I love that, I'm so glad you said that because they're very rich in sulforaphane, which is this compound that is so important. It opens up the vitamin D receptor. So when I test a lot of people's genes, that vitamin D receptor isn't working properly. And so they are, you know, they're, they're not getting vitamin D into the cells. Even if they're taking vitamin D, it's not getting into the cells. And so forophane is the key that opens that lock. And you, I'm so glad you said that, Tom, because that's an important thing to do. Absolutely. In fact, I did an entire TED talk on, on broccoli and the power of sulforaphane. And it's so true. If there's one intervention you can do, you could say, I can't eat healthy. There's nothing else I can do. And trust me, I have plenty of clients that are sent by conventional physicians that say things like that. And I'll just say, okay, well, let's grow some broccoli sprouts. And I'll tell you what, a quarter cup, a quarter cup, at least once, if not three times a day, just a quarter cup can change your life. You start eating a quarter cup of broccoli sprouts every day, watch what happens to your energy. Watch what happens to your pain. It's going to be weird because for the first couple of days, you're going to start having this funky smelling urine, right? Because it's starting to clear out a lot of toxins from your body. And then boom, all of a sudden your energy level will go up. It's amazing. So that, you can grow some culinary herbs. Peppermint is a phenomenal herb to have around. It helps balance out the gut. It's a, a brilliant thing to put into water or tea or whatnot. Uh, peppermint's a really nice thing that you can grow on your patio as well. And then if you want to find some of the cooking items, the ingredients in some of the recipes in our book, for example, Thrive Market has done a really great job of providing a Costco-style club program for organic whole foods. You sign up for these Thrive Market things, you can find information um, on our website, and uh, it, you, you just sign up, and they deliver this stuff to your door. And if you hit a certain threshold of money, uh, they don't you don't get charge shipping even. So you save, you know, between 15, 25, sometimes more percent off of what you'd get as a retail item. And the stuff is shipped to your door. So as time goes on, there are more and more options on how to access these healthy organic whole foods at a decent price. And it doesn't matter where you live. If you have Amazon Prime, it can be delivered right to your door. So yes, I hear you. Yes, organic sometimes sounds like expensive, and we've been taught that in the media, you know, oh, I can't afford organic. But let me tell you, the 30 plus percent extra exposure to pesticides matters. When people are exposed to high levels of pesticides, I live in Whatcom County, so I get to see clients who are right next to raspberry fields, agricultural workers and residents. And what happens when they're exposed to these pesticides that are sprayed on these fields is their digestion goes down south. Their energy is terrible. They'll end up with chronic fatigue. And they end up with cases of cancer and cognitive decline. So they can't use their brains much anymore. And to be honest with you, we're all being exposed in conventional produce. If you look at the literature closely, they did a test. And every kid that was eating conventional foods had high levels of chlorpyrifos and malathion in them. Two common pesticides. When they went on organic diets, within 24 hours time, those levels went down. So it's huge. What you're doing right now with 
Your health will save you costs in the long run. And when you are more sharp, when you have more energy, you will be more productive. You will find a better job. You will get promoted in your job. It makes a huge difference. So when I hear people saying that, I say, yes, I hear your pain and I hear your thought process. And let me give you some new ideas. Let's form some new neuronal pathways that might serve you better. It's well worth it. It's just well worth it. Well, now this is going to surprise people, but you recommend eliminating pork. Now, pork is not part of the body ecology diet. I don't know why. I just strongly felt that pork was not something for people to be eating. And I was really surprised when I read the paragraph in your book about pork. So let's tell people about pork. Surprisingly, the consumption of pork, I can see in people with irritable bowel issues. I can see it in people with gallbladder issues. And it's not just the fat in the pork. There are protein-based reactions and people don't tolerate it very well. So it's, you know, everything in the book, Donna, is not based off of hearsay. It's based off of 10 years of clinical experience and research. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yes, I got it. There's a lot of people who want to do autoimmune paleo and they eat a ton of pork and they eat a lot of lard and whatnot. And that's great. You can go through this diet. This is not a lifetime diet, by the way. This is an experiment to find out which foods work best for you. And when you're Mm -hmm. done with the experiment and you add back in your pork or or whatever it is you're going to add back in, and if you feel fabulous, great, continue on. But I don't want it to be that one nagging suspect that you forgot to check. I don't want it to be that one thing that's still causing your irritable bowels or your migraines or whatever it is. I want you to take these foods out just for the short period of time. It's a couple of weeks of your life. It's not that big of a deal. You know, Mm -hmm. feel what that feels like, add them back in, see where the symptoms come from. So yeah, absolutely. I had to include that just because too many people complained of it. (laughs) I agree. And also sesame seeds. I was surprised to find that on the list, but I had the same experience. I watched people not be able to do sesame seeds. I couldn't do them uh, years ago. And, and of course in Ayurvedic medicine, um, you know, people were raving over the value of sesame seeds as in tahini when they eat hummus. Uh, so they have to give up hummus if you're eating that right now, because you may not know it, but tahini is sesame seeds. So that's on the list. And then let's talk about nuts. Oh. Uh, this is really an important topic to me because I uh, know <laughs> from all the years of studying candidiasis that when you have systemic yeast in your body, and so many, many people do, they're going to react to oxalates. And nuts and seeds are extremely high in oxalate. And we don't have the bacteria in our gut to digest the oxalates, you know, as they enter our body. And I really think, you know, a lot of people are eating nuts and seeds because they're so convenient and they're everywhere in the store, packaged, ready to go, stick in your pocket and, you know, you have an immediate snack. I was thrilled to see that, you know, that nuts and seeds were not on or are part of the elimination. Now, maybe people can go back to it. And of course, they have to be prepared properly again, soaked and you know, I think even better ground because they're hard to digest and, and they come normally in shells. So, you know, if we found a couple of pecans on the ground, we would take a while to get in to eat each one. After about six or seven, you're probably going to give up and you think, well, that's enough today. I'm not going to crack any more of those shells. <laughs> but let's talk about, just just throw out any of your thoughts about nuts and oxalates? I didn't want to, Donna, because, you know, so many people, so many kids, especially, they love the nut butters and they, you know, they they put Mm. it on celery or apples or whatever the case is. But the reality is there's only so many times you can hear somebody say, I'm suffering because I'm eating a food before you say, ooh, well, that could be a potential suspect then, right? And so I've started seeing rashes, joint pain, headaches, 
gut problems. And interestingly enough, these uh, nasal polyps, uh, I started seeing you know lots of skin conditions on the face. And I was like, this is weird. And to be honest with you, Donna, you've probably seen this longer than I have, but the amount of people that are reacting now to nuts has increased drastically in a short period of time. Like, I, But the amount of people that um, are have candidiasis is enormous now and babies sure. are being born with it. And yes. William Shaw just wrote a article for Townsend Letter in January, 2015, January Townsend Letter, on the hell, <laughs> the green smoothie, the... Um, said something about green smoothies, the road to health hell is paved with oxalates. But I mean, that's, I, I did a uh, consultation with a man and he put almond milk in his smoothie and, and spinach, which is also very high in oxalate. And then he put, he ate nuts and seeds all day long because he had a stressful job and it was something he could eat. Um, and I can't remember all the, like in about eight or nine different ways, he was getting a lot of oxalate in his diet per day. And his problem was, he was in pain, like he had what he thought was arthritis. It was the oxalates. So when he, he was shocked, and so he gave up the nuts and seeds, and the pain went away. So that's when one, for me, oxalates cause uh, my eye to, dries to become dried, dried uh, out. Yeah. So everybody has different symptoms, but I'm very, very uh, uh, kind of on a mission, really, to wake more people up to this fact. And, and maybe you can have some, like nature wanted us to have maybe a couple of nuts at a time, not a whole bag of almonds or whatever. But, um, you know, I see that, and everybody lists them as health foods. Mm. And they are for some people. And, you know, you're so solid in recommending that people prepare them well and soak them and then perhaps, you know, sprout them, perhaps dry them again afterwards. And then grind them if they have an issue with digestion. And it turns out too, Donna, that this comes right back to um, what you had mentioned previously uh, with the missing microbes. You know, we used to have mm-hmm. a very abundant bio, uh, biodiverse uh, environment in which we would produce substances that can help us with processing all sorts of different things, including oxalic acid. So, uh, my goodness, I think it's just the the nature of being alive in 2015. How we haven't really been paying attention to Mother Nature as much and supporting Mother Nature as much. And now we're starting to recognize their repercussions. So absolutely, it's definitely a consideration. So the takeaway on nuts and seeds is, you know, if you can add them in, I mean, if initially eliminate them, see how you do, add them back in. They should be prepared properly and not large amounts taken at one time is what I would go on to say. And then bring your yeast infection under control too. Well, um, now, now at this point, people are thinking, well, what can I eat? So what would you say should be in your kitchen when you're starting your elimination diet? Oh boy. You know, um, the reality is we have now two cookbooks and we have a recipe blog and there are so many recipe options available. It's, it's hard to know where to begin. Turkey, chicken, fish, uh, lots of broth. So, um, because there's no, uh, uh, other broths initially you were doing in the turkey broth, we're doing chicken broth, we're doing lamb broth. Um, you're actually having the ability to make quick soups all the time. There are uh, turkey meatballs. We do do soaked sprouted uh, quinoa, so you can do a turkey quinoa meatball. Uh, there are so many different possibilities, uh, literally hundreds of recipes. One of my favorite things these days, Donna, is I'm doing these plantain tortillas, and I do this uh, slow-cooked uh, char- tart cherry chicken and in a crock pot. And you just put that on with some broccoli sprouts, maybe some Napa cabbage, maybe some avocado on top. And oh my goodness, you have one of the tastiest darn recipes on the planet. 
So really, you're never going to run out of options. I mean, our book has over 100 recipes. Uh, we'll give you, if you come to our website, we give you a free elimination diet cookbook. It's got over 20 additional recipes that are starch digestion um, for people who have difficulties with starch digestion and FODMAPs. It's got a lot of recipes for that. So we, we have plenty of options. Uh, that question you'll quickly find if you come to our site, look at our, our, our book, uh, is a, is a moot point. There's a ton of options. We give you meal plans. We give you delicious food. And that's the one thing that Ali specializes in, as you know, is making everything taste phenomenal. You won't even miss mm, the some soups of are amazing oh. too. I know. Yes. Yes. We have to thank her very much. Obviously yes. she spent a lot of time in, in the kitchen and she says in the introduction that she tested these recipes with your kids yes. and lots of friends <laughs> gave comments. So they're, they're test, they're kid friendly recipes and they're friend friendly recipes too. Right. That's right. Well, thank you so much, Tom, for being here today. You know, you and I could talk forever, but I know that at some point this has to come to an end. So I just want to thank you so much much. I want to tell everybody to buy this book. It's called The Elimination Diet. Discover the foods that are making you sick and tired and feel better fast. And Tom, what's the um, website again? Sure. It's www.wholelifenutrition.net. Wholelifenutrition.net. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Absolutely an honor, Donna. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I want to thank everybody else today for listening in. And if you're new to Body Ecology, please subscribe to Body Ecology Living with Donna Gates. Feel free to leave a comment on our Facebook page. We love those comments. We absolutely read them. And most of all, have a great day.